Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. There are thousands of amazing self-help books out there, but what happens when you're struggling at the moment and need help now? Well, my new book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook, is your new go-to self-help book. I wrote it specifically for when you don't know how to overcome a challenge. Each chapter gives you a framework on how to tackle your situation. I help you focus on what already works for you. Your situation today may be different, but the emotions you're currently feeling, you felt them before, and you did something that helped you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. This book is specifically written to help you overcome any obstacle you may face. Purchase your book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. Once again, purchase Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. My guest today is Christy Warren, a retired fire captain from the Berkeley Fire Department in California. She has 25 years of service as a firefighter and paramedic. She was diagnosed with PTSD in 2014 and felt ashamed and afraid to ask for help. After getting help, Christy experienced post-traumatic growth and is living life to the fullest. In today's episode, we talk about her book, Flashpoint, A Firefighter's Journey Through PTSD, which chronicles her career and recovery from PTSD. Welcome to Lifeology. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. I am really looking forward to this. I was just interviewed by Forbes Health about secondary trauma and compassion fatigue. And so when I got to pitch from your publicist, Caitlin Hamilton, I was really intrigued about this because you actually experienced everything through um, as a firefighter and paramedic. You see it firsthand. So you experience the trauma. And then, of course, the people like me who would hear about that, I would be the one to experience a secondary trauma, which is mm -hmm. creating PTSD-like symptoms because I get lost in the memory of what you're talking talking to me about. Walk me through your journey, if you wouldn't mind. 25 years. First off, thank you so much for your service and everything you've done. Oh, thank you. I'm sure you've saved so many lives and have changed so many lives as well. How does it feel to, when you reflect on your 25 years of service, how does it feel to have helped so many people? That's a very, really interesting question. Um, I, I, I never think about it like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we always kind of feel like, well, if I was working that day, somebody else would have done it. You know, I, I think of a oh, couple calls, a couple calls that I feel like some decisions that I made, you know, made a difference mm -hmm. as opposed to it might be some, you know, somebody else might have made a different decision. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think for the most part, uh, yeah, it's just kind of like whoever happens to be working that day and get that call. Yeah. So I, I don't feel, yeah, I, I don't. I don't do I don't reflect back on all the people that I've helped. <laughs> but you know, it's interesting. I think because you have been in the quote service industry, if you will, or the, the, the healing or helping industry, you do it because of that. You don't look for the accolades about it, which is nice. Um, and I think a lot of people in your career and in your field do that as well. So it's on this side, I'll say thank you for all of your service as well. What was it about the firefighter, firefighter and paramedic aspect that really drew you to that industry, or that career? Well, the more I learn about all this, the more they say that you don't, we don't choose the job. The job chooses us. Um, I originally wanted to be a doctor when I was in college and I got a job as a, 
or I took an EMT class and got a job that summer on an ambulance and was just just absolutely hooked. It was like this is so mm-hmm. much more fun than you know sitting around a hospital and discussing things and planning and this was just it's like where the action was it was <laughs> i think i just it, I, it fit into my personality and my strength so much better uh-huh. Uh-huh. and uh i was good at it and i just yeah i loved it i loved the challenge of it the worse the call the happier we were about going to it um you know the bad calls are the ones every everybody yeah. wants to get those they want to get the bad calls because we get to challenge ourselves and like really put our training mm-hmm. and our skills you know to, to task and i i just i just loved it i couldn't get enough of it it just it just really filled my cup that's amazing there's in a lot of fields there's uh, there is a what I'm looking for there's a stigma that it's a man's world or only a man can do that man can do this. How is it that you fought that? Because as a, as a firefighter captain, I mean, clearly you broke those, you shattered that glass ceiling. How is it for you to be in a profession that historically, and I do this for people who can't see me, my hands are in quotation, um, a man's job, if you will. How is it for you to, to break that glass ceiling? Chris, that's, that's fantastic. Um, for me, it wasn't difficult at all. I really have a, an attitude of, I'm going to bring something to the table. I'm not going to take away anything from the table. Mm-hmm. I am going to utilize my strengths and realize that we all have different strengths and weaknesses. And, yeah. um, you know, and I worked my, and I worked my butt off, you know, I worked out all the time to be really strong. And, sure. you know, I, I faced a little bit of pushback in the beginning and, you know, I, I really hardly blame some of the guys because, you know, if you're six foot four and weigh 220 pounds and here comes me, a little five foot six, 150 pounds, it's like, do I know if that person's going to be able to pull me out of something, you mm. know, or okay. do I know that, you know, if we have to lift something really heavy, you know, is the strong, big dude going to be like, am I going to be lifting all the weight or is this person oh, going to, you know, okay. help me carry this load? And I, and I get that. And I really, really understand that. So my outlook was just to kind of really keep my mouth shut in terms of, you know, my skills or whatever yeah. and just do them to the, to the best of my ability and I'll always mm. be part of the team and have my hands in there. And, you know, and then, then you find out later there's things that we had a guy who was six foot five and there was situations that he just couldn't get into because he was too big. And, mm, you know, I'm yeah. five foot six and I did all that stuff because I was small and I can crawl into small spaces where a lot of people can't. Wow. And so it's, we all kind of figure out what, you know, what our strengths are and, yeah. and how to utilize them. Yeah, that's a great outlook. Now, transitioning to something a little bit more serious, in 2014, you were diagnosed with PTSD. Could you give us some information about what happened for you during that time? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's interesting because I was working at a really busy station, like just up all night and mm-hmm. running all day. And um, an opportunity came up for me to move to a slower station. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to try it and just to maybe just slow down a little bit. Sure. And so after I got there, I noticed, it's like I noticed things started changing for me. They, uh, I started having a lot of anxiety. I've never had anxiety before. I'd mm. have uh, panic attacks when the tones would go off, no matter what mm. it was for. Um, 
Yeah, a lot of really like physiological responses to things that I had yeah. never experienced before. And I stopped sleeping and I had a, like a videotape of bad calls that I'd been on like over the last 25 years that would play in my mm-hmm. head just like over and over and over. Uh, I started crying at work and I started crying on the way home. And I'm not, I've mm. never been a crier unless I'm really angry. Then I cry. But yeah. other than that, yeah. And I started uh, having all these symptoms that I could not explain and scared me to death because I didn't want anyone to know that, you know, I was being weak, you know, quotation mm. marks. Sure. You know, by crying and being affected and and that kind of stuff. So that's kind of really how uh, how it all started. Did you did you have those symptoms before you transitioned to the slower station? They started before I, I, oh, okay. I went to the slower station. I I was really irritable. I was like really angry mm-hmm. at everything. Yeah. And you know, I it's talked to somebody like. Like what's going on? And somebody said, you know, everybody's leaving your station, and I'm like, they are. Like I, I take care of my guys and my crew, and you know, mm-hmm. I kind of take pride in that. And they said, they go, yeah, but they're tired of getting yelled at all the time for little things. And so I, you oh, know, my my mood was terrible, and you know, I blow up really easy, and mm-hmm. um, and then yeah, the, and the panic attacks would start when the tones would go off for a call. Yeah. So yeah, that started there, and then everything just kind of like started to really ramp up when I went to the slower station. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it would because you have more time to sit with that as opposed to being yeah. so active all the time with the faster one. Now in, in your industry is PTSD, is that discussed a lot? Uh, no, no, mm, not at all. But I mean, it's, it's starting to finally, it's, it's starting sure. to, um, the police are a little bit ahead of the firefighters because it's, uh, you know, it's kind of sociably okay to be upset about having to shoot somebody. Or have mm-hmm. your partner killed like right next to you by shooting. Yeah. So the police have had, you know, like psychologists on their staff mm-hmm. and, but we, yeah, the fire service has never talked about it. It's never mm. been really part of our, our thing. We just kind of, you know, suck it up and, and we move on. And, and finally now it's starting to, you know, gain some traction and being talked about and peer counseling teams are starting and they're really starting to look at it. And we, we still have a really, really long way to go, but, but it is, it is changing yeah. and yeah, it's very good. Yeah. Wow. I'm really glad to hear that. I'm, I'm surprised. I say this on the, as, yeah, in a vacuum because I, I've never been in your industry, but I'm surprised because you would think with all the trauma that one would see from the burning, from the destruction, from everything else, I'm surprised that that wouldn't be part of the, the debriefing component of it. But once again, I say this with, with ignorance because I don't know anything about your right. industry. Well, yeah, we, we, we all start from the very beginning on the first day, you know, you show up to work or the academy, you're trying to prove how tough you are. And then mm, it just continues on from there. And it's a constant, like, I'm tough enough to do this job. You don't have to worry about me. I'm not going to fail mm. you. You can count on me. And, and it just keeps going at the ladder. And then the more responsibility you have and the more leadership you have, the, you know, the even more stoic you have to be because you're the leader. Sure. And then, yeah. you know, you get into the administration and now you're a real leader. and these are, the, you know, people who climb the ladder and get the administration. These are the same people who have run all those calls and have been stuffing all this stuff down and never wanting to talk about it. And then they get yeah. in this leadership position where they're supposed to come across even more strong and, you know, have less vulnerabilities. Then they don't want to show anything and then they don't want to talk about it because if they talk about it, then that's going to make them look weak. So it's just yeah. kind of a vicious 
circle that we need to break. We'll be right back. Are you an emerging persona or a global organization that isn't getting recognition from the press? Have your marketing and advertisement efforts hit a plateau? Let us help you take your brand to the next level. Red Heifer Media is a full-service boutique public relations agency specializing in health and wellness, tech, real estate, and nonprofit organizations. We can turn your successful company into a reputable brand. Take your first step and visit www.redheifermedia.com. Once again, visit www.redheifermedia.com to take your brand to the next level. Welcome back. I am James Miller. You are listening to Lifeology Radio. I'm currently speaking with Christy Warren, who is a retired fire captain from Berkeley Fire Department in California. She has over 25 years of experience, but unfortunately experienced PTSD. In today's episode, we talk about her book, Flashpoint, A Firefighter's Journey Through PTSD, which chronicles her career and recovery from PTSD. For more information about Christy and to purchase her book, please visit www.christyewarren.com. You know, it's interesting the uh, the concept of being weak because you're not you because people express emotion. Granted, that's that's in a lot of industries, so it's not just a firefighter, paramedic, first Absolutely. responder industry. That's a lot, but it is such an interesting concept. I don't think a lot of people realize this: is that our thoughts create our emotions, our emotions create our response. So we think about something which creates the emotion, and the emotion turns that into a physiological response. So. If I'm crying, what people don't realize there's actually three different types of tears. And a lot of scientists believe that in one of the tears, it has the stress hormones. So it releases the stress hormone. So if someone gets too overwhelmed and their body creates so many, um, so much the fight or flight response that the, all those hormones, then to cry, that's how your body releases it because it doesn't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. If, it, if we don't cry, then you'll find it comes out in yelling or it comes out in hitting something because it's the, re- it's the release of that energy. And so the funny thing is, is when people actually do cry, that actually makes their body more healthy. And so it's such an interesting dichotomy of I don't cry because I'm healthy, but it's actually you cry because and it makes you more healthy <laughs> because it really is. Right. Oh, moments. no, absolutely. And so it's such an interesting twist when, you know, for, yeah. for whatever reason, the, 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 the machismo, whatever, whatever in, in every culture has something that to say is show emotion is, is considered weak. Transitioning though into you, so you got help, congratulations. What was it like for you, you to receive that help? Um, well, it was a process really. You know, when I first found out I had PTSD, I didn't believe it. I was like, yeah, there's, there's no way that's me. I'm way mm-hmm. tougher and stronger than that. And, um, and I found an, an amazing therapist and, but things weren't getting better. And then what, really changed my life in, get, in terms of getting help was I went to a uh, a post-trauma retreat for first responders. And so I went to this place. Oh, that's and, wonderful. Yeah. So there's six of us clients. And, um, and then the room was filled with like 20 people who are all first responders and have been through what we were going through. And to look around the room and see all these like super tough people that you'd go into anything with like that had gone through the same thing that you're going mm. through. And it was just so validating and it was so like I'm the sure. best, like the safest place on earth. Yeah, absolutely. And it was the first place that, you know, I really felt like, Oh my God, I'm not alone. It's not just me. Mm-hmm. Cause when I first thought what was happening to me and since our department didn't never talk about it, I thought for sure I was the only one like, Oh, really? We have 125 yeah. uniform officers who do the same thing and see the same thing I see every day, and they all seem to be fine. Mm. So, so getting that help was just—I mean, it was life-saving. It was—it was, it was yeah, incredible <laughs> to, yeah. you know, to feel again like I belonged and I mattered. And uh, 
yeah, it was pretty crazy. Wow. What was it that caused you to say, you know, I want to write my book, Flashpoint, A Firefighter's Journey Through PTSD? You know, I, I really didn't set out to write a book. I've always liked to write a lot. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I've always had like that dream of writing a book. But, um, you know, when, when, thing, when I was pretty much in the thick of it, I, I would start writing down some of the calls that were like just haunting me, like that just would hang in the front of my head mm -hmm. all day long. And because um, they were so vivid and real and and so they're kind of easy to write. And I wrote so I'd write those and then I, I just kind of kept writing and I'd, I'd have my wife read it. And I'd have I have a friend who's an author who I'd have her read these. And it's like, you need to write a book. Mm, and I also really yeah. wanted to write a book because um, when I was going through my struggles, I couldn't find anything you know, on PTSD for first responders yeah. or anybody besides, mm -hmm. you know, what we would, I would have considered weak, like, uh, you know, a housewife that saw somebody get mugged at home, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. completely wrong, like absolutely wrong, mm -hmm. but sure. just the state that I was in. And so I needed to see some tough, strong people that would validate me. And I, mm -hmm. I found, I did find a book by this uh, NHL goalie, Clint Marlerchuk. He got his uh, throat slit. Oh my god! And they put him right, pretty much. Oh yeah, and he almost died. As for, he got a th throat slit from a skate. Anyways, they put him back on the ice like six days later, like right after his stitches healed, pretty much. And uh, so, anyways, he ended up getting PTSD. He wrote a book, and that was like the thing that was like, oh my god, I'm not alone. Mm. This super tough guy. This happened to him too. So, anyways. I wanted to make something that was out there for other people to read so they don't mm -hmm. feel so alone. Mm -hmm. And, and that's why one reason why I'm so honest through the whole thing is so people can see what, you know, what it looks like. Yeah. How was it when you first wrote and so your wife and your friend, they read it and how was it to have someone else actually get in your head and learn more about that through your eyes? Well, my wife, I, you know, I gave her something to read and, uh, she came in my office and she's crying and she was, you, you mm. have to write a book. Mm. She was, people have to know what you guys go through. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't think, I don't think people know. I don't think people really have a clue what we, what we go through. They, I really yeah. don't. And I think a lot and of I ways, didn't even, you know, just go, go ahead. Oh, I just say, I didn't even put the worst calls in the book either. Like I wasn't. Oh, do that really? Yeah. 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 Because in that, that's where I think sometimes, not that your book would do this, but I think sometimes when we read, as I said, the secondary trauma, you know, we see, see news, something, and it can be overwhelming. But I think a lot of times when people not, may not realize all the stuff you do is because let's say there's a fire alarm is pulled, like, you know, my building and the, everyone shows up and like, oh, it's a false alarm. So a lot of times we're inundated with that, that it's a false alarm, that you're there, you just show up just because you have to, and you're not really there because you need to. And of course, the people who have experienced the bravery of all of you and know that you've all gone through, that's completely different. But I think a lot of people just don't realize the severity of a lot of the calls you may have because the majority of one that people see like in apartment buildings or office buildings is just simply a fire alarm that was pulled that should have been pulled. Right. And, and yeah, no, and I don't blame them for that. And I'll, I will have to say a lot of the worst things that we see happen at night where people don't even know. I'm sure. Out. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, and then one thing to add all of this on top of uh, all the trauma we see and all the work we do is um, we don't sleep. We do on very mm. little sleep. We work 48 hour shifts. Wow. We work two days on and wow. four days off. And 
people say, oh, the four days off, that sounds amazing. And it's like, no, the first two days, you're just an absolute disaster. Yeah, and then sure. by the time you're just starting to feel better, you, it's time to go back to work. And Yeah, wow. Um, just, mm. So not giving the, your brain a chance to reset and sleep is pretty astronomical. Oh, it certainly is. Most people don't realize that if you are awake longer than 16 hours, that actually is equal to um, like one alcoholic drink. And so not, not mm -hmm. that obviously your blood levels at, but as far as your ability, your right. cognitions, your ability to focus and concentrate. And of course a nap can, can reset that, but it's just, if you're constantly, anyone who's awake for 16 hours working or whatever, they're going to realize they have cognitive fog. They're not as sharp. Obviously adrenaline can change all that, but when you're, but when, for most people, that's really how it affects them as well. Now, is this a memoir or what is it? What kind of book is this? A memoir. Yeah, I definitely nice. say okay. it's a memoir. Yeah. We only have a couple more minutes here, but give me, give me some of the reviews that some of the people have, have given you when they, once they've read the book. I always put people on the spot when I ask that question. So take a second to think <laughs> about it. <laughs> well, I've been, I, I've been really fortunate and I've gotten some really good reviews. Um, I would say overall, most of the reviews say that it's very honest. Um, they learn a lot kind of about the firefighting industry and, mm -hmm. um, and what we go through. They, a lot of people say it's a difficult read, which I, yeah. it is because I, I, uh, I really, I, I don't spare much. You know what I mean? I really try to mm -hmm. put everything mm -hmm. in there, not to be, uh, not to be graphic or anything like sure. that, but. But just so, yeah. yeah, just so people know what we see and what we smell and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and mm -hmm. why it affected me so much. And, yeah. um, yeah, the, I, I, I've got some really good reviews. Yeah. Mm. It's uh, many people I saw it's a must read. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I, I saw that you also now have a chance to be a part of support groups and help people who are just now discovering that they have PTSD. How does that feel for you to be on the other side of it? I mean, of course you still have your daily struggles, but how is it to be able to help other people? Yeah. Oh, I, I love it. It's really nice. I mean, there's two, on, on two sides, it's like, you know, all of us first responders, you know, are fixers. We just want to fix things right now. Mm -hmm. And um, so when, you know, I still volunteer at that retreat that I go to and, um, mm. you know, you, you, you know exactly the path that this person needs to take and how to get there. Yeah. And you kind of want to like help, like push them along and you have to remember that it's like no they need to get there in their own time like you know That's it took right. me forever so sometimes it's hard to do that to be patient but um it's just so rewarding it's so rewarding to see people especially during that retreat come in on the first day just looking like their life is over and they've mm. been through a war and then after a week of just talking and dumping all their stuff and being vulnerable yeah and then they're just, they all look so much lighter and they're smiling and they're laughing. And it's like, you see that glimmer of life come back mm. and it's just so, it's very re rewarding and really, really great to see. That's wonderful. Well, I'm really glad that you're a part of that as well. What's next oh, for thank you? you? Uh, that's a good question. Well, right now I'm like in the thick of launching this book and really having no idea mm -hmm. what I'm doing and, <laughs> and trying to figure all that out. And uh, I do have another book that I want to write, uh, not about being a firefighter, uh, but another memoir type book. Um, that's probably what's next. You know, I, I, uh, 
also taking a little bit of a break. You know, I, I worked my butt off for 25 years and then got PTSD, you know, which made me work my butt off even harder for many more years. And, you know, and then this whole book thing is happening and um, it's hard for me to give myself permission to rest, but I also I'm sure just want to put together some puzzles or watch some movies and <laughs> good for you. And, uh, you know what I mean? Just kind of relax a little yeah. bit. Yes. You so, yeah. Very hard for you. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Unfortunately, our time is up, Christy. If my viewers and listeners want to find out more, more information about you and to purchase your book, Flashpoint, A Firefighter's Journey Through PTSD, where will they find all this information online? Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram and all those places. Uh, if you can you know, put all the stuff in the show notes, that would be great. I do sure. have a, a, a website, Christy, C-H-R-I-S-T-Y-E, Warren.com. Then that, you can find pretty much everything from there. And then I also have a podcast called The Firefighter Deconstructed. Oh. Oh. Uh, I have other first responders who've gone through PTSD. Uh, I have them come on and tell their stories of you know, struggles and survival and mm-hmm. resiliency and recovery. And I have their families on and their kids and their spouses mm-hmm. and kind of everybody involved. So uh, that's another way to kind of learn about all of this. And if you're a first responder, it's a great way to, or family, it's a great way to um, to hear other people's stories so you don't feel like you're alone. Wonderful. It's on the website. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. My viewers and listeners also know that if they can't find this information any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and a link with Christy Warren and all of her, all of her information, her podcast, her book, all of her social media as well. Christy, thank you so much for being a wonderful guest today. Ah, thank you so much, James. I really appreciate it. I also want to thank you, my listener for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.